Welcome to Pixel Pizza. Did she say pizza? Your ultimate source for chiptunes, video game talk, and pepperoni. Delivered to you from Los Angeles and into the digital cyberspace of the 2020s. Pizza power! That's right, when super giant pizza. I want a large, thick crust with double cheese, ham, pepperoni. Hey, where's my pizza? Pizza time. Welcome back to the Pixel Pizza Podcast. You just listened to Abigail by One and Done. And now we are back with the interview portion of our show. As always, we have a brand new guest for you this week. He is a multi-threat, a hyphenate, as we like to say out here in Los Angeles. Uh, He does game design, art, music, and voiceover with Zonrai Interactive and is currently working on the narrative-driven shoot-em-up Vice Gun. This is Jason Cooey. How are you doing, Jason? Hey, I'm doing good. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. So, I like to start off the show by asking, when in your life did you know you wanted to work in games? Oh, good grief. Uh, <laughs> well, um, you know, I I didn't officially know until I got out of college but there were uh it was basically this idea in the back of my head since i was a kid like i was always making graphics and uh, little little games and stuff on the side but like it didn't occur to me that like it was something real people could like actually do (laughs) until i got like into my mid-20s so um yeah it's uh it, it it took a little bit of time for me to kind of realize like you can actually do this that making games even when you're a kid is still making a game you know right what was the path you were on before that uh before that i was really into graphic design like mm-hmm. for uh like logos and you know web development kinds kind of stuff but um at a certain point i realized you know Hey, I've got some, I've got some skills I've learned from Photoshop and from doing all this art stuff. I might as well use it to do things that like I actually want to do. (laughs) So, and the logos for your games are pretty sick. I have to say, uh, I I appreciate it. I appreciate (laughs) it. So then how did you end up connecting with Simon, your development partner? Oh, uh, we were in college together and <clears throat> there was this uh there was this uh we were lucky because they had this game development competition and i i'm notoriously terrible at like uh making friends or getting into a group like in those types of settings back oh, when same. i was in school yeah like it was terrible and so i get into this place and uh i i happened to get into this group of four people and or four or five people and and i met simon there he's he's our he's our programmer and uh or my programmer whenever i'm using the word r like there's more than two of us but it's just me and him uh so you know we met there um 
And it was just by doing this little game development competition at our college that our university that we kind of became friends. And that's, it's kind of what started everything off in that direction. Awesome. What was your entry in that competition? Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it was a, I was only doing the music in that at the time. And then uh, it was a, it was a, a adventure game. I think we made it in like 2009 or something. And like, it was, I, at a certain point, I kind of like got them to shoehorn in some voiceover for it and it's in hindsight probably really embarrassing <laughs> but uh yeah it was like an it was like an adventure game like a little demo of an adventure game and it was actually like kind of cool considering we kind of just threw it all together a bunch of students so like yeah. it was kind of kind of fun you start somewhere you know it's oh really for sure embarrassing. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah and so then i saw when you guys you know, formed Zonrai, you were originally focused on the mobile market. Is that right? Well, the 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 company itself is kind of weird because I, I started it um, just to do uh, contract work before, um, before game development ever occurred, like kind of just right out of college or right towards mm. the tail end of college. I was kind of starting to get a little panicky because I didn't know what the heck to be doing. So I started just trying to contract out for like voiceover or music development or any of that kind of stuff and, or just selling music over like Bandcamp and stuff. And so it, it kind of started there. And then uh, at a certain point I was like, you know, why don't, what I, why don't we, why don't I just try to make something or get, get some, get a team together and we try to make something. And so that, that kind of started a little early uh, and then we, it took some time to kind of get things put together, it, get things put together in such a way that like we could even start to move forward with even thinking about game development, but it did start kind of as a, as a, as a private contracting thing just for myself. So it's, a, it's kind of a weird little, little endeavor there, but it's, it's at this point, it, it, it still kind of could be contracting. It's basically we're working on the game we are, we're working on now, but like if a contract came up, I would still do it through, <laughs> through this company sure. too. So, yeah. Got it. Would you say like of all your different roles in development, the voiceover, the composing, the art game design, which do you find the easiest and which do you find the hardest? Oh, well, uh, for me, um, the music development's probably the easiest for me, and um, and and the most fun because like it, it I guess it's easiest for me just because I I really have fun doing it because I've been doing it for like a really long time. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm also I really enjoy doing effects work for like explosions and stuff Ooh, and yeah. and that kind of stuff. That that is also it's not. It, it can be difficult, but I enjoy it. Both of them can be difficult at times, but I really do enjoy those things particularly. And with regard to like um, our current game, Vice Gun, um, I, I'm really leaning in hard on the effects on that game. And um, and and I'm hoping the music itself, I, I know um, we haven't shown a whole lot to people about music and everything, but like I, I'm, my hope is that that, uh, 
me leaning into those strengths on my end will kind of help sell a, a vibe for what the game is kind of aiming for. Yeah, like how would you describe that particular vibe? I would say um, that our game is very much influenced by kind of that, there's this sweet spot in the mid 90s where pixel games were starting, pixel art games were starting to like transition uh, into 3D, but like mm -hmm. you still had some pixel art games and they'd show up on CD and then you'd get this kind of, you'd have these pixel art games with like uh, CD quality audio. Oh, and so yeah. uh, there's this kind of like vibe that you get from some of these games that, uh, especially like on like Turbo Graphics and uh, Sega CD yeah. that had this quality where- Rondo of Glide. Oh, for sure, for sure, absolutely. And like it, it there's this, there's this kind of, uh, the way it meshes is just very, it has this feeling that like it exists in that era. Cause like you don't really, mm -hmm. you still have like, independent developers putting out like higher quality uh, music that isn't necessarily like chiptune stuff with pixel art games. But what I've tried to do is I've tried to make the music sound as like true to the era as possible. And so there's a lot of things that were trends uh, in the mid nineties to early nineties. I've tried to carry over into our soundtrack for Vice Gun. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of rock elements, but also like quite a bit of like new Jack swing and, you know, these kinds of pop R and B type of vibes that are in, you know, music from the time and you would see them and, and jazz too. They would pop up in like, especially like Konami, or not uh, Capcom soundtracks from back in the day. So like oh, yeah. they would like show up every now and then and it was like really cool because for me, it was like my first taste of a whole bunch of music genres that would just kind of get like melted together and like thrown into a, into a game so i'm hoping that we can kind of bring that into vice gun so when you play the game it feels like something that should you know it'll be a little bit uh higher res than those systems at the time but like it'll feel my hope is that it'll feel like something that should have existed back in the day with with a couple of modern um accessibility features and stuff so that's my hope yeah i don't know i mean just yeah speaking for me that's one of the most satisfying things is when you see a game or a movie or something that comes out today, but it's has the vibe and it's very authentically something of a specific time period. Yeah, you know, it's it's difficult. It can be difficult because sometimes you you've, there's a bunch of movies that have come out that like tried to do it, but like they don't take it. And many times what. Uh, many times whenever I've seen this in film or any, even other video games, not to like talk trash about other video games or movies or anything, but right. you're keenly aware of the ones that fail, which is like a terrible thing to say, but mm -hmm. it's just like out there. You can tell the ones that are really good and you can tell the ones that like, don't do it so great. And hitting that vibe, oh, man, the word vibe is like a weird, weird word because it's kind of hard to define, right? Like it's a subjective thing, right. but um, hitting, hitting hitting the mark so that it's it's clear that like you're being authentic to what you're trying to mimic is the wrong word but you're, you're trying to fit inside of a genre or a, or a, or a time or a, a time right you want it to seem as if sure. it came from a certain time period and there's just it's sometimes counterintuitive because there's things you kind of want to do in from the modern times and like incorporate it but um I, I, in, in some ways i'm probably not 
doing a like a it's I'm probably not doing everything exactly the way they would have done it uh, 20, 30 years ago or 30 years ago. But um, by uh, I, I, it can be challenging trying to hit that mark. And um, uh, man, it's uh, it would be good if we could if we could hit it. I've thought about it for a long time, so I hope we do OK. I think you will. Yeah, but I know, I guess maybe it was more of like a, a learning experience, but you had that game Heaven Variant. Yeah. And I mean, I think, yeah, it's important to talk about like, you know, when things didn't work out to when they do work out. So what was your, what, what was like the story with that project? Yeah, that was a big learning experience to say the least. It was really, um, it so heaven variant was this project it was so I, I get out of college and i'm like okay let's make a game and i don't know anything about like knowledge that is necessary to like jump into video game development i just knew let's make a game so i got some friends together i got simon and we we uh were like okay let's do this and so we were using uh we're using just a little design doc and we were going along and we just tried to put things together and learned a bunch of skills in doing that but in the end, the project didn't quite make it off the ground just because I didn't have the skills I needed at the time to do it. And like, that was, yeah. that was like kind of a rough time. Like, you know, you want to make something and then it's just like, oh crap, man, like put all this time into something and then not able to deliver on it just because you're not, my desire and will was there to make it, but like my skills weren't quite there. And that, that sucks yeah. when, when you have to come to that realization. So, <clears throat> um, but the cool thing about it was in doing that little project and the cool thing about doing any kind of little project is that like you will acquire skills in the process. And so what's great about that is like, by the time you're done with that, if even if the project fails, you now have like some skills at least, and then you can use those to um, build something else. So that kind of heaven variant where that failed, it, it did help me get on my feet to be like, Oh, like, Oh, so that's what you need to do because failure, man, that failure is like the most important thing you can do in, in a way, because it makes you realize it, it, it makes you realize things that like, you're not going to learn any other way. So true. Yeah. And then from there, you guys had more of a success. Uh, you had Stardust Vanguards, which uh, won a couple of awards and was a really cool co-op game. Uh, what was a bit, a bit of the story behind that? Yeah, so um, so Heaven Variant doesn't pan out, and that was depressing and miserable. And then we went for about a year or two or three. I can't oh, I can't remember. It was two or three years. We um, kind of all parted ways, <clears throat> and then I was just like, "Oh man, this sucks. What are we gonna do?" <laughs> and so. Um, I started making just games on the side just for myself, just like I always have done since I was like in seventh grade or whatever. And I would just make things little prototypes and stuff. And then I was like, you know, this one isn't half bad. This little prototype I made, um, I think I built it in like uh, Construct 2. If you're familiar with that engine, it's... No, I don't know that <laughs> um, I think they have like Construct 3 now. It's like a HTML5 editor i think i don't i'm not too familiar oh, okay. with it it was just a game editing engine but um it was you would throw things together really quick 
And so I made this little prototype. I go to Simon and I'm like, hey, dude, what do you think of this? You want to make it? We can make it as quickly as possible and see what happens. And um, we spent a, like nine months on this game and we just threw it together and had most of it done in three months. And then we just kind of refined it for another six. And um, then we had this game and the we basically learned what we learned from the first game, we were able to apply to this one. And we were just kind of really focused on, let's make this a couch multiplayer combat game. And uh, the basic systems are like, as you kill enemies, you earn um, reinforcement points. And then you could summon uh, like swarms of allies to come help you while you're fighting uh, other players. So like, it was really cool and like crazy and frenetic while you were playing and we went to some trade shows and people really seemed to like really seemed to dig it while we were there. So like um, it was kind of the first time that I was able to like see that we could make something and other people would like at least like play it. Like whenever someone would like smile or something, I was like, Oh, like shit. Like, look, we're making contributing to someone like to like enjoy themselves like a game should. So again, like the game wasn't huge, but seeing that we could have that kind of an influence was cool. And so um, uh, it was another learning experience where we kind of started to use what we learned, but also start to see how to bring a project to completion while um, navigating like a, a release. Totally. And that's that must have been so validating to really see see people enjoying your stuff uh were there any particular like cool co-op stories or uh experiences you saw people having uh when the game came out uh when the game so the game wasn't super huge but we were the fact that we were like whenever we would see people playing the game and post like let's plays on youtube or whatever uh when people would get really animated and like get just really getting into it that's like there's a when you're a developer it's kind of satisfying just to see like you your game is having an effect on other people i mean you don't want to like piss them off or anything but like at the same time like seeing them get into it is really um really satisfying yeah for sure i've i've heard a lot of stories and spoken to a lot of developers who like lurk on twitch look for people playing their game and just watch oh yeah totally Totally, totally. Yeah, so then what elements from Vanguards and maybe also from Heaven Variant did you take with you when you started thinking about Vice Gun? Yeah, so <clears throat> Vice Gun in many ways is, was, uh, we basically, I, I, I basically was like, you know what? We got all this stuff that we wanted to do in Heaven Variant and it didn't pan out. Can we do this in like a, maybe not uh, for people that weren't aware, which of course they wouldn't be, no one knows who I am, but <laughs> uh, Heaven Variant was 3D and that was like a big mistake for us. We shouldn't have done 3D with, with a small team because uh, the amount of development hours to produce assets was just way through the roof. So like mm. my thought was, okay, well, what if we just took the idea behind that game and just distilled it to 2D? because I could do 2D and like the output I could do with pixel art is much higher than 
having to like, you know, have a 3d artist and then I could, I could do the texturing or whatever. And then on top. So it just, it felt like I could get more done quicker. And then um, Simon is like a code guru. So he, he deals with my, my lack of technical expertise with programming and code and stuff, but he, he'll get, he, he was able to put together an engine um, and we used what we learned from heaven variant and, and built off of it. So a lot of the ideas that were there, we basically transitioned into a pixel art game. And so that, that helps that we had some of the ideas and characters and stuff from that that still left over years later. Um, and even some of the music I was able to, I've, I've adapted it and it's, from what I learned from the other game, I was my the quality of my music increased, which was great just because I learned how to better use the software I'm using for <laughs> for music production. So um, I was like, okay, we got all this music. I guess I'll just uh, clean it up a little bit, use higher quality instrumentation and sampling and samples and stuff. And so some of that music can actually be carried over too, which is cool. Great. So it's sort of like the spiritual successor then. Yeah, it's weird having something that's like a spiritual successor or something like didn't exist in the first place. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. In many ways, it is that project uh, in a more realistic design. Sweet. Yeah. So I think maybe now is a good time for us to go to our musical break for the episode. And when we get back, we'll get more in depth into Vice Gun. So this is another track from One and Done, and this is called Rest is Important. Uh, so listen to that one, and we'll see you shortly.
We are back with Pixel Pizza. You just listened to Rest is Important by our Chiptune Artist of the Week, One and Done. And now we are back with Jason talking about Vice Gun. So, my first question about this game, which looks really cool, is that one of the things, you know, you guys are, one of the big selling points is that it is more narrative focused, which, at least in my experience with a 2D shoot 'em up style games, it's kind of a rarity. So, how are you incorporating story into this particular genre? Yeah, um, narrative to me is really important in games, and I know you don't necessarily have to, you don't necessarily have to have it. You know, some games just don't didn't need it. Um, <clears throat> it's how I landed on thinking that we need narrative in this game. It really came from this idea that. Um, I love shoot 'em ups, but like I, I hate that they're that they're for the longest time were kind of a niche, a niche genre. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw other games that were basically, uh, and I'm talking kind of about non bullet hell shoot 'em ups. Um, if people are familiar with bullet hell shoot 'em ups, they're the games that have like bullets everywhere, and you're dodging very yeah, that's too much carefully. For me. <laughs> Well, I, <laughs> they can be challenging and intimidating to people. And I love those games. Um, but at the same time, I kind of, for Vice Gun, the, our, our design is kind of more of an action game and less of a bullet hell um, shoot 'em up. So like, it is a, it is a shoot 'em up, but it's kind of like an early 90s shoot 'em up, horizontal, mm-hmm. horizontally side-scrolling shooter, where, yeah, there's bullets and stuff in the way, but there's less of a... Uh, there's more of an emphasis on like the action and shooting at enemies rather than dodging. And so uh, when I was looking at these older games and, and thinking about it, they, a lot of times they just didn't have a story or the amount of story they had was like, okay, there's a bad guy here, go kill him. Oh, there's some aliens coming, go, go shoot through all of them. And then you do that and the game is over. And so I was thinking about just like characterization and other action games that had, like small amounts of story. And to me, they always felt a little bit like they added some meat to the bone for people that um, might not necessarily be playing the game for the shoot 'em up aspect or the action part of the game. Like a perfect example, in my opinion, is Star Fox. And especially like Star Fox 64. Like, because those games, as, as soon as you start that game, there's a story and it's not a whole, it's not a complex story, but there's like some beats in there that... That play out and it makes the game so much more compelling like if if you think about what star fox is and you took away um some of those just like characters and just the characterization of different characters like it wouldn't be the same game i don't know that it would even have the same longevity that it has now like if it didn't have that little bit little layer of story and so <clears throat> i was thinking of i was thinking about this and i was like you know I bet if we could do this with a shoot 'em up and just have, you know, just a little layer of a story on top of everything that just drove the narrative and there was something to say beyond just okay, go kill these dudes, but then, you know, go to the next level. What if we had like okay, well, you you go and kill these dudes, right? Because it's a shoot 'em up, but we'd kind of deal with the characters what they're dealing with while they're doing that and and what the repercussions of of what what their actions are per level. And so it, it does by adding this little narrative, my hope is that like it kind of adds some adds a little bit of I keep using the, the phrase meat on the bone because like it it 
it feels to me like some of these games that do it the best and Star Fox is one of the ones that again it's not a deep story but it's enough to make it elevate it beyond what just its gameplay was which is also really good but it, it's the the sum of the parts it's more than the sum of the parts yeah with this extra narrative layer and my hope is that we can achieve this with vice gun and um so you know the characters um there's a there's a a general narrative and our characters are kind of trying to you're part of a squad of four which is very star fox esque <laughs> um but you know you're i would say it goes a little deeper than the way star fox did it because our characters are kind of dealing with what they're uh, partaking in things happen in our levels and uh, which is that that did happen in older shoot 'em ups but what I, th I think what makes this game what, what probably will make it a little different from other shoot 'em ups is that like one level will have something happen which will then lead into the next one which will have something happen which will kind of change the context of uh, what needs to occur after that so there's and the characters themselves are kind of dealing with questions about their role in the events that are playing out so it's um I, i'm trying to keep the game not like super dark or super introspective or anything but there is an element of that that's kind of i have to that we have to include just because the characters do need to change and throughout the journey right sure so <clears throat> yeah so there's a there's a good healthy dose of characterization in the game i'd say that's great. Yeah, I think yeah, Star Fox is such a great example because it wouldn't be nearly as memorable if not for the characters, the voices, some of yeah, the and, backstory yeah, that you get. Yeah, absolutely. And what's crazy about Star Fox is like when you start that game, Nintendo is like the master at like you start a game and like you can see exactly what that character is, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Like when you when you see like any almost like any Nintendo game, when you start it up like they've set up even their character design so that it communicates what that character is all about. And they're, and they're just like really good at just establishing that like right off the bat. And then as soon as, if they talk, like as they do in star Fox, you kind of, you, you already kind of know what that character is all about. Like as the game is starting, which is like really like excellent shorthand for like getting a story going. So like they, that kind of, I've, I've, man, I could talk about star Fox's, the crazy things they're doing with like Star Fox and like setting up the narrative there for like hours on end because it's insane to me that like these characters are so simple and the story itself is so simple. But like even with that, there's this kind of law these characters like still have a a following today just because uh it, it sticks with you, you know. Right. Have you seen this web series online, the fan series, The Fox <sighs> in Space? No, no. It's so good. It is incredible. It's very much this kind of like dark <clears throat> 90s anime style. But it, yeah, it covers a lot of like the beats that are kind of suggested in Star Fox 64 about James McCloud and about uh, like the characters' oh, relationships with each other. And it's really good. And oh, that's man, exactly I check what you're out. talking about. Uh, I have to check that out. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's incredible stuff. So highly recommend. Hopefully, maybe one day I'll get to talk to the creator on the show. We'll see. But <laughs> oh man, I'm all about it. Yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah, then I guess 
I mean, can you tell me a little bit more about like this particular characters in the game, if it's not too spoilery? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Oh, my bad. I should have should have mentioned All that good. to start with. All um, good. <clears throat> so, uh, Vice Gun is a game that occurs in the future, where uh, humanity has discovered through like has scientifically proven the existence of the human soul, hmm. and uh, in learning this, it kind of the this reality uh, sets forth some events on earth that creates global war, just divisions and um, uh, religious conflicts and things like that kind of start sure. to boil, boil up and boil over. And so uh, that's kind of the setting where the game begins uh, or, or uh, takes place. The actual game itself takes place a hundred years after these wars have been going on. And so um, our main character uh, end vice gun which is the name of the game <clears throat> uh he's a he is a pilot for a mercenary company called divinity that has created machines that harness the human soul for uh for energy production mm-hmm. and so they they're they're using these uh this divinity is the uh, mercenary company it's this huge corporation it is it exists to keep space safe. So while Earth is at war, space is experiencing, and the colonies in, when, around uh, orbiting the Earth experience some level of peace. But it's while uh, while they do have peace, um, they they don't have a formal military of their own. So they rely on mercenaries to uh, kind of keep Earth's wars at bay. Oh. And uh, <clears throat> divinity is unique in that they're the only ones with this kind of soul capable technology is what we call it. And um, it's these machines that are powered by their uh, pilots. And uh, when the game is first starting, uh, there is a coup basically occurring in one of these colonies that wants to, they want to be more involved with earth and the, and the, and the, uh, the nations on earth. But obviously divinity doesn't want this because that, that could entangle the colonies into problems that are occurring down there. So they kind of have this segregated humanity um, where um, right at, that's basically right where the game is going to begin is there's this segregation between those on earth and those in space. And there's people in space that don't like that. And the player is part of divinity who is there to make sure that, that, that space is kept safe from all the chaos that's occurring on the planet. And so that's kind of, our characters are kind of dealing with their role in all this, they're mercenaries. And in a way, like they're powering their own souls are powering the machines they're using to keep this order. And um, in a way they're kind of selling their souls to do um, the bidding of a corporation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, the questions I hope the game will kind of pose for people is like, what are you putting your soul into? Mm. What is the, what are you putting your energy into? And um, are you deriving any kind of meaning from what you're doing? Or are you just doing it because this is the system that, that you were born into? Or it it, it wants, I I hope people will ask questions about like, what are, what is true and what is, what is not true. And so there, our characters are going to partake in missions and they, end up asking themselves will we'll end up asking themselves what their role in all of this stuff is and what their own beliefs are and um the answers aren't clear-cut in the game so it's there's 
there's room for characterization in this kind of uh, setting that is chaotic. And it, to me, I feel like it, it kind of makes, it adds a little bit more interest to the gameplay itself because it's like, oh, well, like we're doing this, we're, we're, we're fighting this bad guy. Is this the right thing we should be doing? Mm. Like we have to do it, but is it the right thing to be doing? Maybe it is. So some of this, like, these are the questions I hope people um, come away with from the game. Yeah, that's definitely a, a lot to digest. I think everyone can relate to having one <laughs> soul sucking job in their life. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it sounds really interesting, especially if you have the squad mates and like theorizing just to all of them agree it's the right thing to do. Do some of them think it is? Do... Oh, <clears throat> no. Uh, so our, our main character and he is very much, he's just there to get a paycheck. Mm. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's just part of a society and he just wants to make it and he just wants to pay his rent. That is our main character. Um, he's kind of our, I don't want to call him necessarily a blank slate, but he very much is kind of someone just trying to, trying to figure things out, but right. also um, doesn't think too hard about things um, in the process of through, through, by experience going through the events of the story, he will uh, kind of be uh, forced into confronting some issues, but um, he's kind of very much a character that just is just doing what he thinks he has to do to survive. Um, our other characters are, we have one character that is uh, kind of a veteran character and he is jaded kind of from years of service as a, mm as a mercenary, but he, he still believes in the core mission. And then we have another character that is just completely all in on being a Merc. He just, it's just what he wants to do. His ambition is it's, it's his ambition to be a good Merc. And he, he's fully committed to divinity's uh, mission. So uh, it's, it's kind of these, there are conflicting um, mindsets, even among the squad. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a there's a lot of uh, opportunity for us to inject different viewpoints into each mission. So even though a mission will just be like, okay, you know, if people have played a shoot 'em up, you kind of know how a shoot 'em up's going to play. But in doing it, like we might have one character that kind of feels bad about what they're doing, while another one is all in. Yeah. So it 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 allows the characters to kind of express themselves um when you kind of when you can obviously demonstrate the way they might be uh bumping shoulders with one another when when dealing with some of this stuff they both they all might share the same mission but maybe they feel guilty about it or maybe one guy doesn't feel guilty about it so it's 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 um it's been cool for the missions because it 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 gives the characters themselves like obvious uh character traits and um uh, attitudes and so it's it flushes out the levels themselves because the characters are all looking at the mission from kind of different angles mm -hmm. which is like it's been interesting for me like writing the dialogue for each of the level all the levels which are again the dialogue is kind of unrolls like a very star fox style yeah so yeah mm, it's fascinating i like that a lot so i guess on the design side i mean with 
a game like this, there's a lot going on at once with, you know, the enemies, explosions, attacking. How do you design for shooter mode and sort of keep it frantic, but also understandable? Oh, yeah, that's been so that's something I have absolutely um, meticulously studied from other games. And I've I've seen games that do it really great. And I've seen there's some that just don't do it well. Um, basically, all of our levels, I have designed uh, the dialogue and the background events and the blitz and the enemies moving meticulously so that um, when something is on screen, if it's important for dialogue, it should not appear um, when things are occurring while the game is like, you need to be killing things, right? But the, the cool thing about it is it kind of naturally lends itself to like the the way gameplay kind of ebbs and flows mm -hmm. so like <clears throat> our characters if they're saying something like they're just uh if it's unimportant like a character for example is just saying something while they're shooting at an enemy um you know we could sneak that in with some with some action but if it's if it's something that needs to be important or communicated or obvious, then we we give the the action a, a moment to rest, and then we can kind of inject the the dialogue in there, and um, and, and it and you don't the way the dialogue works again. If if people are familiar with Star Fox, you you get a little um, in the missions at least uh, the dialogue will come up for like three seconds, four seconds, and then go away. So you have some time to read it, and it'll just kind of move itself away, but. All of these systems are choreographed to fit in with the level itself. So um, I have taken, um, I've gone to the to extremes to make sure that when important information or story information needs to show up, it's choreographed with everything else that's going on, the background, the enemies, motions, the bullets that are on screen. So the, the timings on all of these things um, are, are being balanced uh, by hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never really considered how, like, especially, I mean, yeah, for Star Fox, for, like, how, what they're saying and, like, it plays into the pacing of it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, the best games um, will totally be doing that. Um, there are some games that, like, come out that they have, like, I've seen, there's some shoot 'em ups that I saw that came out, like, 10, 15 years ago, like, uh, some time ago. I, I can't remember the name of it. It was a big one. Uh, by or a, or a popular one rather by Konami. I can't remember the name. It would put so much text on the screen while there was. It was like kind of a bullet hell ish yeah. game, if I remember it correctly. And it would put so much text on the on the screen from their character dialogue um, that like it was you you couldn't read it if you right. wanted to. And so um, that kind of necessitates having very strict choreography. I think with with even the dialogue, the way the dialogue window pops up, like, yeah, the gameplay itself is important. But if you want to have dialogue, you need to wait, give yourself a beat to have the gameplay settle down and then add the dialogue in. And what's cool about that is like it it helps it helps uh, add natural lulls in the action so that the player can kind of compose themselves before the next wave of enemies come. So like yeah. you can kind of inject a little bit of story that way by just using natural lulls in the gameplay. That's awesome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What what I've experienced when playing those kinds of games for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, you touched on this a little bit before, but, you know, your art style, it's 2D, but the way the characters move is really dynamic. It almost has a 3D look to it. How do you uh, accomplish that? Oh, so <clears throat> uh, the, the characters themselves are pixel art, but we're using a lot of kind of like a skeletal system for all the for all the sprites. So like for our main character, for their uh, mech, it's it's made up of multiple um, skeletal based sprites so that like we can, I, I tried to hand animating it at first and for the longest time, the game was hand animated by with pixel art, just like just frame by frame, yeah. like a flip book. But it, it ended up just being so much more convenient to just have them be based on um, a skeletal system. And that ended up allowing me to really expand a whole lot of um, animations and create more animations way more quickly. So what's useful about that is though, is that like even now our enemies, uh, like we can have like enemy mechs that also have skeletal systems and that that allows us to kind of build these giant monstrosities of like these machines that are just really huge and kind of with lots of moving parts on them. Oh, and yeah. it's, yeah, so like making them animate is way easier using a skeletal system. And at least in this way, um, there, there's probably some little ways where like, minor sprite animation like a traditional sprite animation or, or might look more aesthetically pleasing if like you were if you had the time to do it but just since we're just like a such a small team like i'm it's just me doing the art right now it really has helped me produce interesting animations as quickly as possible while while being able to reuse some assets and i can reuse those animations and stuff across other characters too so like it ends up becoming quite a time saver and even if i don't reuse the animations like you can reuse at least like you can you can take the animation and use it as a template at least to get started which is you know that's such a time saver for us if you can reuse assets if you're a game developer and you can reuse assets in any capacity it's just um saves you infinite amounts of time but like you know like in the original super mario brothers like the famous one is like the clouds and the bushes are the right. same sprite right just colored differently like that kind of stuff will save you hours and hours of time so <laughs> it's it's uh highly recommended <laughs> good advice for sure anything you can do to help yourself out where do you see the game in the next year as far as development uh <clears throat> well i hope I hope we can release this game as soon as possible. Um, it has been a long road for the development on this game. And part of that is just, you know, development is rough sometimes when, especially if you're, if you're a small team, yeah. just because like, man, if you're down for a, if you're, if you're having like a bad day or a bad week, God forbid you have a bad week, but mm -hmm. like, you're just out, you're just out. And so it's been a long development cycle but like we're keeping at it one step at a time and um i i hope I, I would really love for the game to be out in the next year i would hope um but we do have some work still left ahead of us but um <clears throat> yeah i i certainly hope fingers crossed we could hopefully reach the finish line before a year from now but time will tell i suppose <laughs> It's it's weird. It's weird, like when it's just like an indie project because you do kind of have the the luxury of when you're a small indie project and you don't have like huge employee um, bills to 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 pay to like pay your employees and stuff. Um, 
it, it gives you the luxury of time, but that can also be, you know, difficult because you can lose momentum. So it's, you know, hopefully we can get things done sooner than later. Yeah, here's hoping, I'm sure. It, it seems like it's in a really good place. And yeah, I'm definitely uh, excited to see what comes next. I hope, I hope uh, it's easy for you guys mentally and you're able to stay strong. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so I guess on a lighter note, this is the Pixel Pizza Podcast. I got to ask, where is your favorite pizza place, Jason? Oh, man. Uh Wow, that one that surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, man. You know, I if it's pizza, I'm just happy. I'm just happy to have pizza every now and then, man. You know, mm-hmm. I I don't know that I particularly have a, a a favorite place. I don't I don't get out a whole lot, which is kind of sad. <laughs> oh. But um, you know, bread, cheese, we're good. A little <laughs> bit of sauce. <laughs> good answer. Yeah, it's pizza's pizza. You can't go wrong. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, where can people keep track of you in the game? Yeah, um, I mostly post on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at uh, Zanrai underscore INT. That's um, Z-A-N-R-A-I underscore I-N-T. And I'm so lonely. I'd be so happy to talk to somebody on there. <laughs> so, yes. um yeah, you know, Hit I'm always up, happy guys. to chat. Do it. Always happy to chat. Great. Yeah, so thank you again. This has been a great new episode of Pixel Pizza Podcast. Hope you'll join us again next week, uh, listeners. And yeah, see you soon. Here is one more track from One and Done, and that is called Smile. So, signing off. <laughs>